Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I'm your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Hey, leaders, Andrew McPeak here, and joining me, of course, is Dr. Tim Elmore. Tim, today we're talking about a really cool principle that's all based on one of our stories. In fact, it's one of our habitudes. So I'm really yeah. excited about this conversation. It's a brand new habitude, the foggy day effect. I, I love it. I love the story. We've, we all know the story, but it's just a great principle, I think, to practice, whether we're adults or students. Exactly. Yeah. This is going to be, uh, frankly, it's a principle that I realized as we were working on it, I need this in my life. And so yeah. you may be listening going, uh, I'm going to need to practice this. But we also want it to be a tool that you're putting yes. in your tool belt. It's a conversation you can have with your students. And in fact, if you're a user of Middle School SEL, uh, Course 2, which is coming out this year very, very soon, uh, you're actually going to get access to this and be able yeah. to teach this and get all the teaching materials. So that's one of the reasons we're so excited about this okay, conversation. Okay, so it's for us yes. as adults, or we can use it as a, as Absolutely. a tool to, to launch Absolutely. conversations with our kids. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in. Let's do it. So I want to begin with a story. In fact, this Habitude is really based on this narrative. It is, yeah. The story of Florence Chadwick is actually very famous, quite famous yeah. anyway. It took place 70 years ago, 1952. That's amazing wow, to yeah. say that. When I first learned the story, it wasn't 70 years. It was more like 50 <laughs> years or 40 years. But um, Florence attempted to swim the 26 miles between the Catalina Island and the coast of California. Yes. So I lived in Southern California. I'm very familiar with that. That trek of water, it's beautiful. You can see Catalina Island from the coastline, and then there's there's the there's the California 26 coastline. Twenty six miles is a long yeah, way. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, so as she began this swim, it was going to be a major feat, a marathon, but not the longest she'd ever swam in her life. Okay. But it was just long. But she was flanked by boats on both sides. You know, you this is water, it's ocean water, so yep. you want to make sure. So she had her mom in one of the boats, okay. and she had other men that were willing to help her and 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 people that had food and 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 so forth. So flanked by those boats, uh, just watching for sharks and anything she might need, she began to swim and swim and swim and swim. I mean, for miles and miles and miles. Um, you can just imagine how hard this was if everything went right. Yeah. But on this particular day, it was especially hard. There was a mist in the air. It was uh, it was foggy. Foggy day. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Hence the name. And so she's swimming and swimming. But the saddest part about this particular swim that day was she got super close to the shoreline. She was almost in reach of it. And she stopped. Mm. In fact, she ended up yelling up to her mom, mom, I need you to pull me out. She was a young lady. And oh, you're, you're, oh, I, I just, I can't do I it. can't do it. Yeah. We've all been there, haven't we? Yeah. Whether it's a job at work, a sport we play, whatever, we get to this place where we go, I don't have it in me. Yeah. And so they pull her up into the boat, they wrap her in a blanket, she gets something to eat. And that's when she realizes, oh my gosh, I was so close to my goal. She's got that new vantage point. Yeah, yeah. that's right. This would have been history-making feat, but it turned into a failed attempt. Now, interestingly, Florence had made tougher journeys, as I mentioned earlier. She yeah. swam the English Channel. It's just crazy what she had done. So what prevented her on this particular day to do a slightly shorter swim and miss it? I think it was none of what we might expect. It's what I alluded to earlier, but it's not what she lost energy or she lost, you yeah. know, didn't have the talent to swim. Yeah. yeah. None of those things. She didn't run out of energy. She didn't run out of strength. She didn't run out of talent. She didn't run out of intelligence. 
She's a smart lady. The problem was she could no longer see the target she was wanting to hit. Yeah. Uh, after 15 hours, this thick fog set in. And when you can't see where you're going, you're swimming and you're imagining it, but your imagination isn't quite as good as seeing the goal. And so she swam for another hour and then she asked to be pulled out. Mm. So uh, she sp- swam 25 of the 26 miles. Ugh. I know. Tragic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> to be that close. Yeah. So I believe, Andrew, if I can just start making application now, this happens to us all the time. Yeah. It's something about not seeing something internally or externally that hurts us. Yeah. Um, I, this is random, but I remember reading an article recently on what differentiated baseball players from major leagues to minor leagues, triple A, sing, you know, single A, double A. Yeah. And, you know, the differentiator is eyesight. Huh. Now, certainly eye-hand coordination is, but you get talented players at all levels. Yeah. But the higher you go in baseball, the better you're able to see. You huh. can see that curveball and the spin on that ball uh, coming into the batter's box. react to it. At 95 miles an hour. Yeah. yeah. So there's something about seeing things, not just high IQ, although we welcome high IQ. Absolutely. Not just lots of talent, although yeah. we welcome lots of talent. It's the ability to see something. And today we want to talk about what do you see and what can you see that will help you reach your goals. Yeah. All of us, and you mentioned this, all of us have been through seasons. In fact, the whole world just went through a season of fogginess over the last two years. Yeah. And yeah. when you're in a season like that, again, it's not it's not a, a lesson in how talented am I. Yeah. I. I don't even think it's a lesson in how resilient am I, right? Hmm. Because yeah. even, even in another situation where I could clearly see what I'm going for, yeah. I might be more resilient than yeah. I would be in this situation, which just goes to show that I think one of the most powerful forces when it comes to our success or failure isn't just our talent, our strength, our resilience, it's our clarity. Yeah. How much no can we see and focus on what yeah. we're working on? That's right. And focus is the key. Uh, we were talking earlier about how archers who bows and arrows, yes. they don't look at the arrow. They look at the target they're Absolutely. trying to hit. Yeah. Your hands will follow and usually, after some practice, begin to move in the direction where your vision is. So Absolutely. there's something about life that's illustrated in these in these So uh, many these metaphors pictures. we have, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't take much for our minds on any given day to get a little foggy. Yeah. Uh, scientists tell us in a downtown area of any major city that gets foggy in the morning, yeah. and that happens in lots of cities across America, the fog that it takes to fill one single glass of water can be the fog to create a mist across a downtown area. Really? So in other words, it doesn't take much to fog up That's our sight. wild. Yeah. It is. So think about our brains now, especially our brains. Yes. Here. <laughs> um, it just takes a little, a few distractions, a few comments, a few things that weren't planned in the day, yeah. a few interruptions, and suddenly we're struggling with our own version of a foggy day. Yeah. And we just don't see it anymore. Do we lack talent? No. IQ? No. Energy, resilience. Yeah. No, it's I can't see it anymore. And what I'd like to do in just a moment is zero in on how do we recapture that vision we need to see that goal that we set perhaps long ago, but we're about to give up on mile 25. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So really, when we think about it, like what this principle is really about in, in social emotional learning terms, this is about goal setting, right? Yeah. So it is about how clearly can we see the goal in front of us? So talk to us about that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, there's something about the way the human being is is hardwired that maybe explains everything. And I just want to give a quick anecdote to illustrate, and then we'll go into yeah. maybe some science and some steps. 
Um, I remember when I was in third grade, maybe, I was begging my mom and dad for a basketball goal mm -hmm. out in our driveway. Yep. Uh, I needed one. I didn't just want it. Had I had to have it. I yeah. had to have it. Yeah. So eventually they gave in, at, but my dad put it together and he didn't have time to get the whole thing up the first night. So he put the post in and even had some cement. He was a handyman. He was a builder generation. Just give him some duct tape and a hammer. He, he can make do it happen. It. That's yeah. right. So the pole went up, the backboard went up, but he had to stop there. The sun went down. He said, we'll do the rest tomorrow night. Well, I didn't want to wait to shoot baskets. So I had a backboard and a pole, but there was no rim. So I start shooting against the backboard. Shooting against the backboard, and it looked like it might have gone in, but yeah. you know that game lasted maybe five minutes yeah. max. Yeah. And I thought, ah, this is not fun. Yeah. And you know why it wasn't fun? Couldn't see a goal. Yeah. So as silly as that sounds, I think that's true in life. I'm amazed at how many people I know go to work every day, and they go, I don't really know what my goal is today. Yeah. I mean, we've even had, and our worst days, I. I did a lot of busyness, but it was activity without accomplishment. Yep. We've got to be able to see the rim, the goal, the Love target. Um, so it's difficult to live a meaningful life without very clear targets and goals. I know you've heard a million speeches on that. We've given a million speeches on that. <laughs> yes. But goals give us purpose. They give us energy. They give us motivation. Um, I'm thinking of that proverbial story of the blue-collar guy that works in a factory all day long. He comes back, he's exhausted. He thinks, I'm ready to go to bed. And his wife reminds him, tonight's bowling night. Suddenly he has energy. Yeah. Where's that bowling ball? Where are my shoes? You know what he... Yeah. Now, why? He's going to roll the ball toward 10 pins down there. And you know, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. Now think about what would happen if you said, now, Hank, I don't know why I'm calling him Hank, but... But that's his name. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Hank, we're going to remove the pins, but you keep playing. Same thing as my basketball rim. You roll a couple of balls, it yeah. kind of looks like it was good, but... You don't have the energy because yeah. you lost the target. You yeah. lost the goal. So um, all I guess I'm arguing for, maybe I'm preaching to the choir right now, is we've got to put these in place, these pins in place, the rim in place. And when we have them, suddenly there is energy. I actually think we're energized by targets to hit. So there's two, I think, life lessons for us or two, two kind of principles for us. One, how well are we giving goals to ourselves, yeah, right? right? So uh, do we, when we walk into work or whatever context we're in each day, do we know what the goal is? Do we yeah. know what we're working towards? Yeah. And then how well do we give goals or give clarity to the people that we're leading? Maybe yeah. if you're a, a principal of a school, you're thinking about all those teachers that you're leading. If you're a teacher in a classroom, how well is the goal clearly articulated yeah. uh, to the students that you're working with? If we understand this principle to be true, uh, clarity is not only something we give to others, it's also something that we give no to doubt. ourselves. And so each yeah. of us is practicing that every day. No doubt about it. In fact, here's a good picture of what you're saying. I remember years and years ago, Zig Ziglar, the great motivational speaker, told a story of a Vietnam POW who lived through the prison of war camp, came back, and um, he started golfing. Well, he hadn't golfed in years, but he was a fair golfer, but he started golfing brilliantly. Hmm. And everybody knew in Vietnam, you're not playing golf over there. How did you get so good? And here's what he said. He said, as I sat there for hours and hours and hours in that prison of war camp, uh, the Hanoi Hilton, I think it was, uh, he said, I imagined myself playing 18 rounds, 18 holes. And he said, I watched myself tee off. I watched myself putt. I watched myself get on the fairway, 
play off the, the, you know, the rough. But he said, I watched it so many times. That's the power of seeing a clear vision. Yeah. You just talked about clarity. He had such a clear vision that his body began to respond to the very thing that was clear up here. I can only imagine what could happen in a day-to-day -day life, not a POW camp, if we just got clarity yeah. on what we were going after. And that was an imagination clarity, not... But you know what neuroscientists tell us? Our minds don't know the difference between a real experience and an imagined experience. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So your imagination is very strong. What Albert Einstein once said, the strongest nation in the world is imagination. I think that's true. <laughs> I know. That's Albert Einstein. It is. I wish I'd said that. I know. That but, sounds yeah. like a Tim Elmore statement, <laughs> doesn't right. it? Yeah. So anyway. That's really good. That's really good. Well, I know we're about to get practical, but before we get there, you've, you've got some very clear uh, ideas about how to sell, set great goals. Before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break. We've got a fantastic resource that's right in line. In fact, it's all about the principle that yeah. we're talking about today. So let's check that out and then we'll come back. Hey guys, Andrew here. I'd like to talk to you about our curriculum, Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning. Growing up in a post-pandemic world means that many students today are facing new challenges and often don't have the social and emotional skills to handle it all. When students possess skills like self-awareness, impulse control, empathy, teamwork, and responsible decision-making, they're prepared to not only survive, but succeed inside and outside of the classroom. Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning comes in both middle school and high school versions and presents a fun image-based pedagogy designed to delight and challenge your students. Find out more about how you can get Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning to your school by going to growingleaders.com SEL. Okay, Tim. So uh, talk to us about clear goal setting. You've got an acronym. Yeah. Uh, it might be an acronym people have heard before, but yes. it's one that it's easy to forget. And it, it basically makes clear why having clear goals is so important. So uh, walk us through it. Okay. So for years, business leaders have taught the, that successful people set SMART goals. My guess is you and all of our listeners have heard of the acronym SMART goals, but you're so right. It's easy not only to forget them, it's easy to stop doing it. Yes. So let me give you five uh, words that spell SMART, uh, but they are the guideline, I think, for goal setting that really works. It's yes. not just a New Year's resolution. It's actually a goal that you could hit. Absolutely. So the letter S in SMART is you got to make them specific. Yes. So make your goals clear and precise, not fuzzy and vague. Okay. Um, I think it was Zig Ziglar that said, you want to be a meaningful, specific, not a wandering generality. Yeah. Isn't that great? <laughs> um, so anyway, that you be, be specific. The letter M, measurable. I don't know that goals do us a lot of good unless we can measure whether we're winning or losing. So make your goals clear and precise, and then make your goals tangible enough that they can be measured. Yeah. We're doing this better at growing leaders. Mm -hmm. Outcomes, not just inputs. Absolutely. It's, yeah, we're active, but what's the outcome ca yes, happening? Absolutely. And boy, when you get that. It fires you up. It does. It gives yeah. you a very clear idea. And you know success and failure. I think so many people set goals without a measurable stat to it. You sometimes don't even know whether or not you actually achieve yeah, the goal. That's right. Know? So I can't think of, well, it's Florence. It's Florence again. She, yeah. I'm quitting after 25 miles. All, yeah. I can, all I can think of is the pain I had, not the vision I exactly. got ahead of me. Exactly. All right. So specific measurable. The letter A in SMART is attainable. Mm -hmm. Make sure you don't set a goal that's just so lofty. It's inspiring on day one and it's defa deflating yeah. on day three. Yeah. 
So attainable is realistic. Make sure your your goals don't seem so big that they just come across impossible. Exactly. Nobody's motivated by an impossible goal. That's right. right. Yeah. The letter R in SMART is relevant. Now, what I mean by that is set goals that that stretch you and yet match your identity. Yeah. It would be silly for me to say, my goal is to play first base for the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> I'm never going to play first base for the... Uh, now, you should be laughing that I'm hard. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it wasn't That's about right. that at Still all. You. I was laughing about something else. That's right. Yes, of course you were. But you follow what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you want to make sure that they're in your wheelhouse, your yeah. strength area, your gift area. So you're you're working on a book right now. Mm-hmm. That's realistic for you. You're a speaker. You're a writer. You're a good thinker. It, it, it totally makes sense. Now, it's a stretching goal, isn't it? It is. But yet, it's, 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 it's relevant. Absolutely. The letter T in SMART is the word timely. Mm. And what I mean by this is make sure your goals fit into a time frame that you can manage. So uh, deadlines are lifelines. We Didn't say have, that we said all the time. <laughs> like I, it's I because said, we know each other. That's right. That's right. Yes. We, we really do. Get me, yes. get, don't right. leave me hanging. Yes. Okay. So I know these are known, but let me just re- quickly refer, refer you to them again. Make sure your goals are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. Now, think for a moment about some important hopes you have and I have and you have for your future. Um, How could you turn them into goals that you could achieve? How's that lofty vision suddenly become, there's the coast of California, and I see it very clearly. And I can see every lap, I'm every stroke I take, I'm getting closer and closer to my goal. Um, Someone once said, a goal is a dream with a deadline. Love I, I love that. I yeah. love that too. So we're also doing the same thing for our students. How many conversations have you had with a 16-year-old who says, you know, I want to, I want to be an astronaut? And it's like, yeah, but you didn't show up to science class, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think far right. too often yeah. kids, especially, have not yeah. connected the dreams and the hopes they have for their future with the very practical, what do I need to do today? Mm-hmm. And over the next six months or whatever the time frame is to be able to work towards that goal. Yeah. Here's a good example of that. One year, and it was years ago, I spoke at a big youth convention, about, I don't know, two, 3,000 students. And we brought up to the stage a 12-year-old boy, I guess he may be at 13 at that time, but when he was 12, he set a goal. Okay. So when he was 12 years old, sixth grade, he was doing homework in front of the TV, which we all do. Yeah. Uh, and a news program came on just accidentally. I think he was doing his homework, but he looked up. And he lived in Philadelphia, and they began to do a piece on the number of homeless people mm. living in Philadelphia. And it was a lot. Yeah. And as you well know, Philadelphia gets cold in the yeah. fall and winter. So he began to get enthralled by it. I mean, the homework got pushed aside, and he just got consumed by these homeless people that were shivering in the cold, and they didn't have food or blankets or whatever. So at dinner that night, this kid, Trevor Farrell, Trevor, talked to his mom and dad, said, we... We should do something about that. There, did you did you know this is happening? And they go, yeah, isn't it awful? You know, they did the isn't it awful? Yeah. And they said, well, we should do something. So they said, you know what? At dinnertime prayer, we're going to pray for the homeless. Yeah. Thinking that would resolve the problem. Well, it didn't. Yeah. That just inflamed him. And he said, we can't just pray. We got to do something about this. And so he chided and chided and chided his parents until they finally agreed that on some non-school night, maybe Friday night, they would drive him down in their minivan, and he had a lunch that he had packed and a blanket that he had found that was his, but he was willing to give it up. And they drove around Philadelphia, and it didn't take him long to find a man sitting on the cold sidewalk alone, clearly homeless. 
Trevor got out of the van and ran up and gave the sack and the blanket and and he talked to the man for a minute and then he got back in the van and his parents were thinking, this is out of his system. Yeah, now. he got that out of his system. <laughs> Only the beginning. Oh, man. Because now the vision was clear. Mm-hmm. It went from television to dinner conversation to I actually did this. Yeah. So Trevor ended up starting Trevor's Place. And it's gone on for years. He's now handed it over to another group. But I think they got 300 volunteers. They're feeding the homeless in mass yeah. by the hundreds. Well, no, by the thousands because they have 300 volunteers. Yeah. So I won't go into any more except to say he was a sixth grader, grownups listening to this, yeah. a 12-year-old kid yeah. whose vision went from television to conversation to application. Yeah. And it was because his vision got clearer and clearer and clearer as he began to do it himself. And once the vision is clear, nothing can stop him. Yeah, that's and right. And I think that's what's so great about Generation Z. You've got these kids who have uh, so much empowerment. They can yeah. see all the world's information. If you connect that superpower that they yeah. have yeah. with a really clear goal to change the world in some mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost unstoppable. It that is. Force, yeah. Which I think is amazing. I agree. So you've got some principles as we're having conversations with the students we're leading. What messages do we need to be sending to them to help kind of give them the clarity that we're really talking about here? So I'm hoping these are helpful principles. They sure help me. I'm hoping they help you as well. Here's some statements. Principle number one, I must never sacrifice what I want most for what I want now. Mm. We live in a world of instant gratification. Yeah. I'm guilty. You're Well, I don't know if you are. You, I'm, I'm always guilty. Okay, yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. So I love this statement. Think about it again. Don't sacrifice what you want most, which is probably going to take years Yeah. for what you want now. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to feel good now instead of, you know. Uh, my mom used to have a phrase. She was always on a diet. And she said, uh, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Isn't that a great statement? You know, and that was her mantra. But but the point was, yeah. don't sacrifice what you want now for what you want most. That's so good. It's a great statement. Yeah. Uh, number two, if I'm willing to pay now, I usually get to play later. So mm. pay now, play later. I think we need to teach kids this yeah. and first live by this. So John Maxwell taught me this when I was in my 20s. If you're willing to pay now, you usually get to play later. It's not guaranteed, but certainly if you play now, you probably will be paying later, yes, you know? Yeah. So it's it's an inverse relationship there, but I just believe this is, life works this way. We need to prime the pump, invest time and energy in something, and then we see the dividends paying off. Absolutely. Here's another one. Working and waiting generally results in winning. Mm. So I'm will, if I'm willing to work and wait, so it's time and energy, yep. it usually ends up in winning. Um, we're working with um, a few professional teams, football, baseball, but they, they, they teach this work and wait, yep. work and wait, work yep. and wait. You get to win. This makes um, me think of that, of that old, the book, the millionaire next door. Do you yes, remember that book yes. where they basically found out, they did all this data and found out that the vast majority of millionaires in the U S yeah. were people who just invested and worked, That's right. built their 401k up, saved money. And yep. all of a sudden one day they were a millionaire and still driving a, you know, three-year-old Chevrolet, Absolutely. you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So life is a crockpot, not a microwave. Another habitude. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> if I do say so myself. All right. The last one I want to give you is, this was taught to me by Tim Tosopoulos, the president of Chick-fil-A. He said, the further out I can see into the future, the better the decision I'll make today. Mm. 
Florence could have used that, Florence Chadwick. The further out I can see, the better the decision. Had she seen the coastline, she would have swam one more mile. It was in her. Absolutely. So um, consider these as principles to live by on goal setting and eliminate that foggy day effect from your life. I love it. Well, you know, um, Florence Chadwick eliminated that yes, foggy she did. day effect. I don't know if you want to close with sure, that. Sure, I'd love to. So two months after Florence Chadwick failed in her attempt to to swim this big goal. She tried it again. She got into the water and began the 26-mile swim. Okay. And here's what's cool. The same thick fog set in. Okay. But this time, she succeeded in reaching Catalina. Why? She said that she was able to do so by keeping a mental picture, an image of the shoreline in her mind while she got... The goal reminded her clearly how she could reach it. The I love that. fog could take away her sight, but it could not take away her goal. I love that. Oh, Drop the mic. Drop the I mic. I wish I had a mic. Yeah. Well, I, well, people do. Don't, but I, we're on a podcast. People don't want to hear me drop this, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, thank you so much yeah. for leading us. What a yeah. great principle. Here's why I'm so excited about this. Our content team has been working on this and many yes. other principles yeah. for uh, the better part of two years now. Yes. We've been yeah. working on our middle school uh, social and emotional learning program and year two of this program is coming out very, very soon. And this is one of the principles I'm pretty uh, excited in this it. program. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so excited that middle school students all over the U.S. and around the world are going to be getting this uh, great lesson and learning to set their own clear goals and learning to work towards something that they really care about. So if you want to find out more about our middle school uh, social and emotional learning program, head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL. That's growingleaders.com slash SEL. You can find out more about that. Um, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. If you found this particularly helpful, we invite you to share it with somebody that you know. Maybe you know a young student who you think would really benefit from this conversation. We'd love for you to share that. Uh, if you want to connect with us online on social media, we're at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, whether it's a person you think we should interview or a subject you think we should mm -hmm. cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Com. We love getting those. Tim, thank you once again for leading us. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.